Welcome to the Shortcuts to Public Speaking Success podcast from award-winning speaker Shola Kay. This is the audio version of Shola's weekly video blog. Be sure to visit sholakay.com slash blog where you'll find loads of video tips with helpful written summaries. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello, hello. And here we are for another edition of my podcast, Shortcuts to Public Speaking Success, and also my video blog. And I'm super excited because we have a very special guest today, all the way from across, halfway across the world, across the pond, most certainly. And we have a very special speaking coach and actor, and uh, she's going to, she's really here with this intention to help. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Billy, who we have here with us today, and then I'm going to be jumping in with some questions because we really must exploit her as much as we can while she's here with us on the show. So first of all, Silicon Valley speaking coach Billy Shepard has been an actor and an acting coach for 40 years. 20 years ago, she recognized business speakers have the same performance anxieties that um, others deal with, that actors deal with. And so she founded the Billy Shepard and Associates acting, acting technique, acting school, acting, acting something, <laughs> acting academy. And she uses acting techniques to transform all types of business speakers into powerful presenters. Now, Billy has worked with some amazing clients and um, just super well-known like Facebook, Uber, and Intuit. And she continues to find some time to do a bit of modeling as well. So, hey-ho, Miss Billy, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm so well. I'm delighted to be with you. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we are so happy to have you here. It's weird circumstances, as the world knows. This is, if you're listening to this, uh, later on. Right now, we're right in the midst of COVID lockdown. It's the same for you guys, right? In California, is that the Absolutely. same? It's, we're, we're all in the same boat. Mm, wow, yeah. So it's, so it's tough that people have been having to adapt, but the main thing is to be healthy, isn't it? So Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything else will pass as it does. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I'm going to ask Billy a few questions, and hopefully those questions will help to bring out some of her amazing expertise, because I know I'm someone with a, a performance background, but I come from a singing background and singing and acting, although we're still on stages, very different ways of going about things, uh, different techniques, etc. So I'm looking forward to learning a lot from Billy today too. But um, my first question is, because I know that Billy um, used to be a professional actor. So how did you go from being an actor to training executives? I'll tell you what happened. And this is just you. I, I hope nobody's <laughs> listening to this personal. Uh, I went through a divorce and I wanted to stay in Silicon Valley. And I had to figure out a way to increase income. And the acting and the modeling and the teaching wasn't doing enough to maintain the household and stay. And one day it occurred to me, I was invited to coach some executives to help polish their presentation skills. And that's when I realized hugely that they had the same anxieties and fears and concerns that actors and performers had before they performed and before they gave presentations and I thought they can use these acting techniques to prepare and get ready. And that's how it started. And then it occurred to me that I could help 
a huge number of business people get better at performing. And then I just started offering my services and then founded the company and here we are. Wow, fantastic. It's amazing, isn't it? What, what makes us change and pivot? Because with me, when I started singing, I moved out, I was living with a boyfriend and moved out and it's like, right, I need to make some money quickly. How am I yes. gonna do this? <laughs> yes, yes, mother of invention. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and it's a wonderful thing to impart to people, isn't it? Your performance training and the techniques you use to tell a story in your songs and it's, they need to tell a story in their presentations and yeah. it, their communications. So it's, it's an easy bridge. Absolutely. Very much so. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed every moment of it. Um, so let's, let's move into a little bit, because Billy, Billy, with all her many years of acting training um, and being an actor, professional actor, she's got a lot of different techniques that she can share with us. So um, one um, that I've, I've sort of heard a little bit about is this idea of circles, like the first circle, second circle, third circle. Can, so can you explain a bit more about that? Because um, I know that's connected a little bit with Patsy Rodenberg, who's one of the, the best known acting coaches and speaking coaches out there, voice coaches. So perhaps you can uh, tell us a bit more about that, please, Billy. Oh, thank you for asking. And here we are back on the other side of the pond, uh, Ms. Rodenberg, uh, who's coached a few good people, like, like Judy Dench and <laughs> Joseph Fines and some wonderful, wonderful actors. She's fantastic. When I was working on my graduate thesis, uh, she became one of my seminal sources. She discovered the, a similar thing that I came upon teaching acting, which was this curiosity. This is going to take a little bit of explanation, but it'll get us to the three circles. Excuse my nose. Uh, she discovered that when a person, an actor or a performer is in this present moment, they're brilliant. And when I was teaching acting, I became focused on trying to figure out what it was that made one actor brilliant and riveting and another actor very good. And what was it? What was it? And I realized that when I could help an actor get in that present moment, they would be brilliant. So talent, it occurred to me and to Ms. Rosenberg, was the desire to do something. But after that, getting in the present moment was the secret. And her way of getting that into that present moment, she defined a little differently than I did, but I ended up using her approach, which is the three circles of energy. And I'm going to say these out of order, and there's a reason that you'll see. The first circle is within myself. I'm shy. I'm self-absorbed. I'm thinking, how do I look? Everybody's looking at me. Uh, that's the first circle. And the energy's not going anywhere toward the audience. It's all about me, 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 and, and that shyness. The third circle is being a blowhard, Listen to me, I'm overly loud, I'm talking over you, I'm the important one. That's the third circle. The second circle is me connecting with you 
making sure that you're getting what I'm trying to give to you, checking for your response to make sure of that, and it becomes a give and take and a generous circle of communication. So performance, not to belabor it, performance, let's say a presentation, is not a presentation, it's a presentation being present with the audience and that second circle of give and take. And so that's one of the, the uh, focuses that we apply in our workshop, our techniques to get you to feel and be in that second circle, thanks to Patsy Rodenberg. Mm, that's fascinating, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's funny because when I'm working with people, I often say one way to get over your fear is to just remember you're of service. You're here to serve the audience and it just Lovely. takes them away from that you know what you were saying kind of the blow hard or look at me it, it just takes you out of that so that's really interesting a different approach but the same kind of results i guess yeah it's saying it a, a different way but it's all to get us to that moment of connection that connection with us in the audience that's what you're doing too Mm. And so do you have any favorite exercises that you typically go to every single time you work with executives? I mean, what are, what are some of the kind of classics that you always fall back upon every single time? Well, the, the, the theory of my methodology, the Billy Shepherd method, is, and we discovered this when I was crafting my thesis, is there are four components to getting in the present moment. If I, as you recall, I was saying, how can I get them in the present moment? What, what, it, what are the techniques to do that? And there are four components. They are body, voice, in, uh, intention, and that gives us the ability to improvise in the moment, to bob and weave. And there's a reason body comes first. I learned how to act in the American method, which is from the inside out. And that's getting ourselves present in the moment. And then we add the nose and the hump and the limp and the dialect, you know, but we've got to be present in the circumstance first. And the first thing that every actor does, and I bet you do it too as a singer, is to breathe and check in with our breathing. So the breathing is fundamental. First of all, it's the secret of life. But second of all, it's (laughs) fundamental in getting present in the very moment. And if, if you like, I can show you quickly. You can do it with me if you like. But right now, I'm going to talk to your audience, and I'm going to ask them to join us in doing this, and I'm going to do a very quick version of it. I promise it won't take more than a minute or a minute and a half. When we do it in workshop, it can take up to three minutes. Do you want to do that? Do you think it'll be effective with your body? We we want to get good stuff, Billy. Come, go for it. (laughs) Okay. Now I'm talking to your audience. You do what I tell you. You do what I tell you. Sit up straight. Put your feet on the floor. Get your back straight. And I'm going to close my eyes. And I suggest you close your eyes too. And I'm going to guide you through a simple breathing exercise and a simple tense and relax. And it won't take longer than a minute. You ready? You do what I tell you now. Okay. The first thing we're going to do is simply focus on our breathing. 
And we're going to take a big, deep breath in, filling up your diaphragm, lungs, all the way up into your throat and release through your mouth. And if you're sitting alone in your living room or your bedroom, take another big, deep breath in, filling up your diaphragm, lungs, all the way up into your throat and release through your mouth. And now we're going to tighten our toes and feet and release. And tighten your toes and feet and release. And moving up through your body, tighten toes, feet, calves, thighs, and rear end. And release. Breathing. Moving up through our body, tighten toes, feet, calves, thighs, rear end, stomach, chest. Hands, squeeze your hands, arms, shoulders, face, prunish face, everything tight. And release. Breathe in and release. Maybe you feel your heart beating, your blood circulating. Take a big closing breath in and release. And bring your awareness back into the room, opening your eyes. And if you notice, you might feel a little adjustment even from that. But when you do it three or four minutes, you'll be grounded and in this present moment. And the thing about that is an audience or another person can sense when you're open and connecting and open to their responses, getting in the present moment. So that's fundamental, how we begin every class in the workshop and every working with private clients. We begin with the breathing to get ourselves present here. Mm. Thank you. I feel very relaxed now, definitely. Great. <laughs> Just that clenching and then relaxing, it's, it's, it's amazing. It really does a lot, doesn't it? Yes, yes. The clenching and relaxing is a good one. Because when that feeling is intense, it's releasing and relax. It's a good one. Yeah. Great. So typically, what kind of work, I mean, we all heard of Uber and Intuit and Facebook, but what kind of work do you do, you know, without revealing uh, any personal secrets, but what kind of work would you do with those sorts of executives? Is it really around getting over fear or is it actually how they perform on, you know, sort of body language and movement when they're presenting? Um, what, what kind of things do executives need? Because especially Brits over here, we kind of feel that Americans are much more self-expressed than we are anyway. So uh, interesting to hear the perspective from, from your side of the, um, of the pond. The, I think the most critical thing to understand is that presentation training is a vehicle to have people experience their own style and their individuality and what they bring to a presentation or a presentation. 
It's about teaching folks the difference between leadership and management. Leadership is from the inside out to get followers and to get people to trust you. And management is you want people to trust you, but it's a lot about telling people what to do. And so the workshop starts with the breathing and then goes into certain improvisational exercises that get people feeling the difference between showing and being. And then we start with some personal stories with the construct of an arc and and a, a special context of a storytelling, only two minutes, two minute stories. But within those stories, people start revealing themselves. And isn't, isn't that the juice? Is, isn't that what we want to see? We want to see your take on the information. We want to see what you feel is productive in this third quarter. We want to see how you're interpreting the information. So in starting those personal stories, they start sharing themselves then the audience starts feeling safe and gets braver. And then we start how to organize a presentation and get it into storytelling. And by the end of it, people are collaborating with each other, supporting each other. I think that, I think I have to say the critical thing is getting people through that knothole of fear and that's what I'm doing is I'm guiding the group through that knot hole of fear because everybody's scared. I've been acting 40 years and there's not a time that I don't feel nerves or fear or, or some sort of something to get in the way of me being myself. And that's what these exercises help them do too, is get through that fear to become themselves. And then you got something happening. Mm. And everybody's being themselves. I know, I know when I first got turned on to you and your work, you talk so much about bringing yourself to, to the situation, bring yourself to the office, bring yourself to the party. And that's, that's really what we want to see. But that takes guts, doesn't it? Takes courage. Takes courage to get through that fear. Our amygdala is telling us, no, no, be the same. No, no, don't you say that idea. That amygdala is the thing we need to calm down. Mm, interesting. And are you, would you say you're a big advocate of, because when I'm working with people who are in the corporate um, area, quite often they don't want to bring, they don't really want to share much of their own sort of personal story or even throw in a sprinkle. A sprinkle might be, I ate this for breakfast today. And while I was eating my breakfast, I, it occurred to me, X, Y, and Z. I mean, it can be as small as that, but quite often people feel that that's very trivial next to the kind of information they have to convey, you know, the business information. So do you find the same thing where people are very reluctant to tell any sort of personal story and, and how do you coax them into to doing more of that? Yes, I absolutely do. I find that to be true. And what did you call it? A sprinkle? A sprinkle, yeah. <laughs> A little sprinkle because... Isn't that what it is? It's a seasoning. It's, it's a color. It's bringing more color to the data. You know, to tell you the truth, if you've got a bunch of information to send me and you don't want to sprinkle it or include your take on it or your personality or your experience of it, would you send me an email? Because I don't need to come and leave my family and my office 
and devote myself. I could have read it in an email, but it's your sprinkle. It's, it's your seasoning, your take on it, your, you that I, that I come, that's what human beings crave for. So I think that's um, uh, imperative. I also forgot the question. Oh, how do I get them to do it? Carefully. They don't start telling the story, that personal story with the arc in it, how they were before an event that happened, what happened after. That's the story context. They don't get to that until several hours of talking, breathing, exercises, you know, improvisation. They got to work at it. Uh, to feel safe. And then once they feel safe, they can share a little bit about a personal experience, and then they see the result of the audience. So telling them wouldn't do it at the beginning of the day. Showing them and having them each individually experience it, they see the difference. They see the difference. It's the... It's a transposition of what they think is critical. You know, you would think I need to be like everybody else and just deliver the information and be businesslike, but it's not that. It's it's being themselves in a certain way, in in a not in an erotic way, but that sprinkling. That's a good word. I'll cite you. I'm going to use it and cite you. <laughs> it's yours. You don't need to cite me for that one. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting you say that because it's um, sometimes, you know, from the music world, I use the analogy of, let's say you go to an event and they have a DJ versus they have a live singer and the DJ, you know, the record is perfectly produced. It's each line has been sung 20 times. It's all perfect versus a live singer. There's more at risk because you're getting a human being, you know, maybe they're going to, the voice might crack or you know, they may trip up or something, but that's ultimately much more exciting. So it's this idea of not wanting perfection. People don't want perfection when they listen to, I say like Siri or Alexa could read out the, the speech. Hello, today we are, but we want a human being and we want a, that color, as you say, the color of an individual to, to bring life. So yeah, it's again, a kind of different way of saying it, but so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, so more questions for you then. So um. In terms of your favorite exercises, I mean, you've given us a couple now, but are there any that you think are like really super effective and, and, you know, cut right through when you've got someone who's particularly stiff or just struggling a little bit with this work? Um, Is there anything else that you think is particularly useful? Two things come to mind. The first is if somebody's really stiff and really holding back, we do an exercise called chase the demon. And I get them in front and they have to stand there and do nothing except report where they're feeling tension in their body. This is for somebody who's really stiff. And little by little, they'll, uh, I'll start maybe the question, how do your shoulders feel? And they'll say, oh, my shoulders feel tense. And I'll say, well, breathe into your shoulders. And then do you notice your knees being tight? Yeah, yeah, I do notice my knees being tight. And I'll say, breathe into you. And then they'll start reporting, my, my hands feel sweaty. 
or, or I can't catch my breath, breathe into it. And then eventually, very quickly, maybe a minute or two or three, I'll say, how do you feel now? And they'll say, I feel fine. And you'll notice that they do, they get loose. The second thing occurs is people have very, very soft volume because of their, their uh, self-conscious of their dialect or their, their diction or something. Mm-hmm. And I'll get them to speak more loudly. I'll have them throw their voice into my catcher's mitt and I'll keep moving back into the room and they'll say the alphabet, A, B, throwing it into my catcher's mitt. And eventually their voice will come out and everybody in the room will say, oh, that's great. You've got a great voice. And then they feel secure because they've actually physically experienced their voice. And of course, our own personal voices are where we're at. So those are two good exercises. Then the second, the the third exercise that people just seem to love is how to answer impromptu Q&A. Two things occur when someone's asked an impromptu question if they don't have a certain technique, even if they know all of their information. The first is their brain will explode and they'll go completely blank and they get the deer in the headlights look. Or worse, they'll start talking and continue to talk endlessly to the pain of the audience. They'll just keep talking. The the technique that we practice is called think then speak. And the technique just quickly, and you need to experience this. So have a friend help you with this. Now I'm talking to your audience. I'm being bossy and I'm telling them what to do. Go for it. They love it. (laughs) Do they love it? I have a curse. I, I can't stop telling people how to live their lives and what they do and what to do. Uh, the, the first thing when you're asked an impromptu question is to say, thank you very much, good question. You only need to say it once, but it builds in a timing experience feeling. Thank you very much for the question. Makes you look gracious, and it's also giving you time to think. What context within which do I wanna answer this impromptu question? past, present, and future, pro or con, or three reasons. Now, there are other contexts, but I offer these three. So if you ask me, then you speak. So if you ask me an impromptu question, I'd say, thank you so much, Shola, for giving me the opportunity to address that question. I'm thinking, how the heck do I want to answer that question? Oh, three reasons. Okay, so let's say you've asked me, how, how was Q4? How was the fourth quarter? And I say, thank you for giving me the opportunity to answer that question, Shola. Uh, that quarter, in the beginning, we were making hand over fist revenue. It was going great. This is past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And now we're bleeding money. It's not going so great. So in the future, around May, we're going to be letting go about 1,200 people. So the audience is able to sit back and say, oh, this is past, present, and future. She started with past. Now she's in present. Oh, okay. 
And in the future, oh, I was right. She did do past, present, and future. And that job that I do by picking a context, past, present, and future, lets the audience relax and open up to the information I have to give instead of just talking and going on and on. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I love those little frameworks as well. And I'm a big advocate of helping people use them. So, you know, past, present, future, or three points, anything like that, that shows that you're organized, your thinking's organized because it helps you and it helps the audience to, as you say, relax. And if you're in a meeting, you know, people kind of butt in like, yeah, but what do you, but if you announce ahead of time that you know where you're going, like I've got three reasons why people instantly just shut up because they know that this is a finite answer that's not going to kind of waffle on for 20 minutes. So that's really interesting that you, you do a similar thing there. Yeah, I think that that's cool. Do people respond well to the, the, the frameworks and those little models that you give them? Yes, they do. And it does need to be practiced, though, because unquestionably, every time someone gets up, they say, I got it. I got it. I'm going to do it. And then, of course, one of two things happen. They go blank or they start talking and go on endlessly. So they need to be adjusted. So if you try this uh, uh, technique, I really do suggest you use a friend or, or, or a coach or whoever can help you to say, you're just talking. I don't know what format you're in. <laughs> you're, you're just talking. So then you can practice it and feel the rhythm and feel the timing to do it. Yeah. They love it. They use it a lot. Excellent. I think it's a good discipline as well, isn't it? Because some people do over answer questions and mm -hmm. they just feel that because they can talk, there's nothing wrong. Uh, and everyone else is like, come on, just shut up. So, uh, yeah, I think it's good for both, both sets of people, the quiet ones and the ones who over talk. Brilliant. So, so as we wind up, I'd love to hear, you know, maybe some success stories or, you know, like the biggest turnaround that you had or, you know, if anyone asks you about a story of you working with an executive, let's say, what's oh. that go-to story that you always tell? Oh, I've, I've got to tell you, I've just got the best job in the world. I, I meet the greatest, smartest, coolest, hard, most hardworking people. And there have been so many events. There was a young man in San Antonio. I went to work at a big company there for a while and they bring me in for many years. And he was a young man who wouldn't stop smiling. And when somebody's smiling all the time, the audience won't trust you. The listener won't trust you because it's a nervous smile. And so what I do is I take somebody's smile away. And I don't recommend this for people that don't know how to do this because you've got to really watch. Uh, because if you take somebody's smile away, it's going to be replaced with sadness or anger or fear or something. And I took his smile away. No smiling. Stop smiling. No smiling. And out of this young man came the most gorgeous leader. He, it was, he, he completely transformed to the degree that I said, you look like an angel. And everybody in the audience said, he does. He looks just, you're like an angel. And do you know the company started calling him angel after that? And prior to that, he was this really tense weird smiling individual and do you know he ended up making he still does makes 
global presentations all over the world and he's like the second coming there's he's so grounded and so real so that's one of the things that was um very affecting very affecting when the real him came out instead of this tense nervous young man smiling it was strange what a lovely story and that's the thing isn't it because audiences can always they don't may not know exactly what's going on but they'll sense if somebody's not grounded and not being themselves they can sense it Uh, but quite often it's the individual that doesn't know right (laughs) or they think they are exactly Mm, interesting so tell us a little bit more about your book Billy before we go because I'm sure that some of the people listening or watching this are interested in checking it out and I was having a look at it and it seems like it's uh, all your secrets it was saying your complete method is in there so is that right are we going to get the real Billy uh, just <laughs> obviously not the same as being with you in the room but the yeah it, it is uh, the culmination of um, about 40 years of of acting and teaching and coaching executives and business people and research and the thesis and the whole methodology that is condensed into two half days. The more I focused on this methodology, the more I kept simplifying and simplifying and simplifying it. So it's the very brass tacks of the methodology. And I have to tell you, I'm going to be honest. I did not want to write this book. I did not want to write this book. But what occurred is people kept saying, you know, you, you've really got to write this book. You've really got to get it down. And now I'm so glad I did. I, I said it anyway. I did it anyway through, through the fear, through, through all the doubt that we go through and I'm glad I did. It's got some wonderful success stories of, of people who worked through the method and, and went on to become terrific leaders and discovered things about themselves. And it's got helpful techniques in it. Mm. Turned out I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> So if somebody were to read this book, would they actually be able to go through this method through the reading of the book as well? I think they have to have me. Okay, okay. And I think that they will get several techniques that will ignite something in them to to try and they'll see the result. It has helpful techniques in it. It really does. But I ended up with all these clever titles. I ended up calling it the Billy Shepherd method, <laughs> the Billy Shepherd presentation method, because it's my method. And I tried to teach other people, and I may be cutting off my nose to spite my face, but they'll get helpful techniques, mm. helpful techniques that will improve. Well, I've got helpful techniques just from this, you know, 30 minutes with you. So I'm sure that reading your book will be, you know, a, a complete a whole other experience as well. Fantastic. And I just want to share as well the, the spelling of Billy's name because um, it's Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E, isn't it? Yes, thank That's you. That's it. And then Shepherd, would you spell that out for us, Billy? It's S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Fantastic. <laughs> emphatically said like someone who's been spelling that for years right (laughs) I know because everybody wants it to be spelled like the German shepherd dog 
or the shepherd. <laughs> it's S H E P A R D. Thank you, Shola, for asking. Not at all. Not at all. I, I want people to have access to this book, and then maybe they'll be knocking at your door in San Francisco and trying to, you know, work with you there as well. You never know. Oh. Or they can call me, or they can email me. Yeah, what's the best way for people to reach you? Do you have a website or will they oh, find you on LinkedIn? What, how what a good idea. Uh, they can email me at billy at billysheppard.com. And my website, not surprisingly, is billy at billysheppard.com. It's, no, what's my website? BillyShepherd.com. www.billysheppard.com. Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for me, sure. <laughs> well, that's been so helpful. I've certainly picked up some tips there that I can use with my own clients and when I'm speaking myself. So, uh, you know, just really, really grateful to have had you here today sharing all your amazing wisdom and knowledge with us. So um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we, we have to say goodbye? Or do you, do you feel like you've given us all the, the good G's today? You're going to hold the rest back in case. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm so, I just give it away. The, uh, I think the last thing I would say before I thank you so much and tell you what a pleasure it's been to be with you is there's a wonderful actor named Michael Kostroff, who was a star on The Wire and um, several other TV shows. And he became a teacher because I nagged him and told him, you need to teach, because he was always helping me before auditions, and now he teaches. And he says his golden rule, and this is in the book, is take care of the audience. Never ask the audience to take care of you. And I think that's a great golden rule. It clicks it into, my job is to help you. Your job as the audience is to relax and I'll take care of you. It's been a pleasure to be with you, Shola. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. I'm just struck by the, the profundity of that last, <laughs> that last tip you gave us because it, it is what it's all about, isn't it? It's taking care mm -hmm. of them. It's not about you as the speaker. It's about them, the audience. Yeah. What a great note to end on. So, yeah, I want to thank you. I really want to thank you and acknowledge you, Billy, for coming on the show today. It's been really, really great, really helpful tips. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have you on again in the future to share some more. But I'll definitely be checking out your book because it looks amazing. Thank you, Shola. Thanks ever so much. Take care, Billy. You take care. If you want more resources to help you ace your public speaking, then head on over to sholak.com. You can sign up for helpful weekly tips, download a freebie, or learn about online and in-person live events. See you soon and keep on speaking up.